What does it take to make workshops work? And how can we facilitate collaboration that sticks and leads to results? My name is Miriam Hapnas, and with the Workshops Work podcast, I'm on the mission to find the magic ingredients that make workshops work. Today with me on the show is Puis Dong, and we speak about the heart connection in a corporate environment and how to drive true transformation, how to facilitate transformation. So stay tuned. And by the way, if you don't have pen and paper at hand to take your own notes, scroll down to the show notes to download my free one-page summary. And now, lean back to be inspired. I was exactly thinking change management, the more appropriate term or process is change facilitation to make the change easier mm. and emergent by listening, by holding space and creating containers. Sounds very woo-woo. But I think um, that's basically what the organization needs or every one of us needs to go through transformation. And I wonder whether it's this basic trust, the trust in the process, trust in the organization and the people that will eventually transform into a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like with inflation. If everyone believes inflation will come, inflation will come. <laughs> <laughs> because everyone is increasing the prices because everyone is believing that they so if everyone believes in the positive outcomes of the transformation if everyone believes that in a certain way of communicating or working together then it will eventually arrive because people just anticipate and then adjust their behavior sure i guess one thing that is very important is is actually not about the transformation per se It's why we do that. Mm. I think that's what I hold very dear. We don't do transformation for transformation's sake, right? So, yeah, right? So it's really like, why mm. are we doing that? What are the pain points that we try to address, right? And in this case of, of the, the work that we are doing now, we do recognize, especially in light of the, the, the COVID, you know, the global pandemic, how much the global healthcare system is under strain how much we are, how many like populations still not being able to access medicine. And like, I remember it just happened, I think yesterday, there was a global conference that Roche was holding. One sentence that really caught my attention is like, where you live should not determine if you live. You know, this is really touching because there are, you know, areas that healthcare ecosystem is, is under super strain and, you know, people are dying if they don't have that access. Right. And so, yeah. Sorry. And we're not talking about Africa necessarily. I recently, well, recently, I saw the figures that in the UK, the difference in life expectancy at birth between the richest and the poorest quintile is about eight years. We're talking UK. Yeah. And that's just a, like, a, you know, just, just, that's even the UK, right? So, yeah. so then we, you know, if we think about the other vast areas yeah. and whenever I think in that, and, and also this is actually how I find my sort of energy when I feel down, right? I, of course, you know, this is, it's not the most easy work to do if, if there are, there, of course, there are a lot of negative energies still, people's fear. But I, whenever I meet, you know, I do meet people who are, you know, patient group advocates. Whenever I hear their story, there is really 
this very, I guess, again, coming to this hard connection that、mm-hmm. I feel emotionally connected. That if my work somehow, in a small way, could support the facilitation of the flow of supporting, you know, the healthcare ecosystem to evolve, support, you know, the the medicine. In many cases, Roche medicine is. About life saving, right? So in many of the oncology space, so in that sense, if that can contribute a little bit to that, that feels meaningful. And it makes me think whether heart connection is always driven by purpose. If we know the purpose, and thank you for pointing that out. Yes, transformation without purpose, without knowing and understanding the purpose, is、um, dangerous.、Mm. And I think once we have we sense the purpose and connect to the purpose, it must be a hard connection because purpose is something so, so personal. Yeah, I I definitely resonate with that. Yeah, I guess. Meanwhile, I'm also I guess holding the the compassion for myself and for others that we do not need to demand that for everybody. You know, like. I guess, especially me working as a coach in 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 the organization in this whole process, I really want to connect with people where they are. I would love to understand, like, what's your story, and what's actually your fear, what's your passion, what brings you joy. So I guess you know, again, coming to this curiosity as well in this whole process, in a way, is. That it's okay, you know. It's okay that I don't know for the moment,、mm-hmm. and we have our individual stories, all of us. And I guess, as long as we we actually f- can find meaning in what we do, then that's okay. So, like this inclusiveness for me is also very very important.、Mm-hmm. I, I certainly, you know, I I know for myself that I tend to. Very passionate, and I'm like almost like talking utopia. And the thing is, utopia might not connect with with everybody, right? So even in the adult de- development theory, that like it's it's probably not going to be the case for everybody. That you just talk that way, right?、Mm-hmm. So for me, the the inclusiveness, I guess, coming back then also to the compassion、mm-hmm. and curiosity, and I hope also. By me and colleagues like me who work in in transformation topics and leaders across the organization, I hope that we all aspire to hold such compassion for self and for others, to hold curiosity, you know, and to hold this inclusiveness that it's actually okay, and then facilitate the tr- personal transformation journey for people. Yeah. Sounds as if again, yeah, it's being rooted in your own values, and then you can invite also doubt in, or you can be compassionate with doubt. If you have your own fears and doubt that you have to deal with, and if you're not sure, then it's difficult to hold the space for further doubt. Yeah, indeed. Actually, it reminds me of this、um, very wise words from Buddhism. There was this theory of four immeasurables. The immeasurable meaning. It's vast. It's so vast that you cannot measure,、mm-hmm. right? And the first one, it goes like that. I wish everybody in all sentient beings to have happiness and its causes for happiness. And the second one is, I wish people to 
avoid suffering and the causes of suffering. And the third one is I wish everybody to be joyful. And then the fourth one is I hold equanimity. Mm. That no matter what what kind of being that I hold the equanimity. And and what you mentioned just triggered this thought about this vast immeasurable element, because. Actually, as leaders in today's organizations, we are holding a lot of polarities. You know, in the society in general, actually, we are holding a lot of polarities. And I think a lot of the world's problems started with if we are polarizing Mm -hmm. so much, right? And and what you have just really mentioned triggered these thoughts about the, the immeasurable. Like if you hold vast the inclusiveness then you bring positive energy to the world, I guess. Right? Yes. And to be okay with this polarity. Mm-hmm. Because I think um, the goal is not to make everyone agree or to change their mind. I think we cannot make anyone change their mind. But to be okay that there are polarities, to listen, to be curious to each other, and maybe to agree that we cannot agree, but how can we coexist? How can both be true? Yeah. Indeed. That's a brain yoga, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and how can, like, I guess, really, how to transcend this polarity in, in many ways? It's, uh, yeah, like how to transcend. And what triggered in me was this novel. There was a novel called Flatland. Mm. Now, uh, I, mem- I, me- I wonder, I might have mentioned before, you know, Flatland is really a, a very delightful little novel to read. Is that, if you're living on the flatland, that means all you see is two-dimensional. You know, that's your world. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly a ball came. You know, a ball when when it when the ball came, people on the flatland, they could only see a circle. They cannot see the dimension. But this is a ball, actually, right? So how could we invite people to actually jump out of that flatland when when dealing with polarities in this world? Mm. How could we actually elevate our view to transcend those polarities and find ways to be inclusive, like, as you say, coexist and find the joy in our own way? I think the only way is uh, through experience because arguments very rarely actually. That's coming back to today's topic, isn't it? Because often cases, arguments only land in the cognitive brain. Mm-hmm. And you just talk brain to brain. And then after this conversation, you know, nobody changes. It's still very, very much cognitive. The experience is different. Often cases, how I experience when I host a workshop, sometimes I really, you know, when you talk about measurements, right? Sometimes I, you know, evaluate my experience by my experience and sensation. Do I actually feel a heart connection physically in the workshop that landed? Or not. Sometimes it's just, sometimes it didn't land, right? Sometimes people really stay in the head. It's also okay. But okay, but actually, often cases, some things mm-hmm. do land. Yeah. So that's the experience rather than the brain. Yeah. Beautiful. Rather than just the, the, the cognitive. Yeah. Makes total sense. And I love it that you can sense it whether you felt the heart connection. And I think, yes, that's part of sensing the room as well, right? Because we do get some. Feedback, yeah, uh, nonverbal feedback from yeah. the energy in the space. Um, yeah, what's your number one facilitation challenge? 
I I guess it's really related to you know whether I could help the participant or not help, but actually I could create the space for them to drop to their body and their heart. You know, the, the biggest challenge would be if people are so much hanging on the mm. brain argument. Yeah. And how would you guide them slowly? So, for instance, I had an exploration call with um, a facilitator of dancing experiences. So, and we spoke about the energy that the group brings into the space and how it's then the role of the facilitator to transform this energy. Mm-hmm. And I hear something similar in what you just said, mm-hmm. where I can imagine if there are only a few who are only in the head, then it's easier to create this heart connection. Mm-hmm. But then if you have a critical mass that is in their head, how do you get them to their heart? I guess that's that's really depends. There's no sort of magic wand, I guess. And that really depends on the on the setting. So if this is, you know, if I and you know, if this is sort of a project-based work, then of course, some conversations before in understanding and sort of really connecting individually, that might help. Mm-hmm. If this is a setting that is sort of people coming together in a leadership development session, I guess I would just try various things, you know, including having people dance. Like, uh, you know, you know, you know what well, we did, I think um, in, in some of the sessions, we did sort of like get people to stand up and get some music to dance. Beautiful. And, um, yeah. And I remember, I think one very memorable experience was my own team in the transmission office team in the in Roche. Um, I was not a facilitator, but the facilitators actually asked people to share their most memorable song. And then they played during the, it was a three days. And then during the breaks, we played the song. We were guess who that song belonged to. Of course, I mean, my song was quite easy because I'm from China and I have a, like a super Chinese, uh, you know, very, very obvious Chinese song. And I just realized, you know, we have different senses, right? And the senses of the, the sound triggered emotion mm-hmm. could actually really shift the, the room, you know, and, and, and I guess in many ways, being quite kinesthetic, I'm definitely learning in more somatic ways. You know, it may be sound, maybe the movement, sometimes the words, right? To support people. Mm-hmm. I guess the key thing is how to shift their state, you know, mm-hmm. like just really bring them from their mind, brain to their body. And then mm-hmm. maybe some small doors will open. Yeah. Like just give yourself a hug. Yes. Tap yourself on the shoulder. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nice one. And uh, another question that I enjoy asking every guest is uh, what makes a workshop fail in your experience? I I don't have that much experience, I I must say. For my failure experience, I'd say, I guess in in the beginning, one big lesson that I learned was too much attached to a result. Mm. <laughs> you know, and we're too much wanting to help, oh, yes. we're too much wanting to do something, and um, that actually was not really that helpful. So, so it's like um, playing the instrument; it's not too tight, but not too loose. It's mm. really that where the flow might come. It's a level of certain sort of tightness in supporting, gearing to a goal but also a certain level of relaxation and, and just not really that attached to the outcome. Mm. 
It re- yes, and it brings back to my mind where we started before hitting the record button, uh, speaking about dance. Aha, uh-huh. yeah. And how the dance is uh, it's guided, it's a flow, you sense in which directions, but it's not pre-scripted. Yeah, indeed. And, and I often experience the most beautiful and creative moments that's completely not planned. It's mm. really just emerged. And, and that's why I'm, I'm a big advocate of creating space for heart connection. Because I feel that's from my experience. When such environment exists, when we create space and when people have heart connection, people tend to be more likely to be in flow. And then that's where creativity tend to, you know, appear more frequent than otherwise. And in often cases, creativity can mean a lot of things in many different ways. Yeah. So that's just perhaps why I'm I'm just keep advocating space for heart connection. It's creating the foundation in a way. Yeah, and the the space for stuff to happen. And it's... It fascinates me how intangible it is. And still, when it happens, we know that it happens. Yeah. The intuition, I guess, that we create, that we connect. And I must say, I feel very encouraged. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm just also advocating for my environment in, in, in Roche that I really appreciate many leaders actually appreciating this. Like, uh, even when we started to discuss about like heart connection in the corporate, almost like almost not very not very yeah. fitting, right? And I do appreciate that I met quite a number of leaders who actually went through their personal journey, you know, authentic leaders who actually can appreciate an intangible concept like this. Mm-hmm. That they are not like boom, boom, boom. We need to do one, two, three, four, and we are done. Like it's not just that. So of course, Roche has a lot of very doing uh, centric people because yeah, that's the business performance, right? This is a commercial it's yeah. Yes, and and it has been successful in the doing for sure. Even our in our badge on the back of the badge, we say doing now what patients need next, mm-hmm. right? It's also doing. I totally appreciate that. And I guess what I appreciate a lot is there is a certain level of appreciation on the being and the doing, right? So even in, in our own team, in the, in the transformation team, that we, we talked about the being and the doing, both. Mm. And I think I would be very curious to hear from you. The thin line of employees understanding it wrong, or it's about the intuition, it's about the being. So doing is overestimate, how not to confuse and fall into the trap of taking it easy because it's different. You can be ambitious and hardworking and still being in the flow mm-hmm. and having a hard connection, right? You can have very serious conversations and action and being result driven mm-hmm. and still having this strong focus and hard connection and compassion. Yeah. And it can be misunderstood. Yeah, that's that's really a great uh, question. How I aspire to work on that is actually facilitating people's inner reflection and their inner wisdom. 
like it, it can be a bit intangible. But how I aspire to make it more tangible is develop, like I see my role as a catalyst, right? A, a catalyst to, let's say, facilitate the journey. It's not my job to tell you, you have to understand this way or that way. You know, you have your own way. I really have the deep trust that everybody is resourceful, creative, and whole. This is what I, I borrow the words from the collective uh, coaching. You know, th- they say everybody is inherently creative, resourceful, and whole. I have a deep trust in that. So what, what I aspire to do is I catalyze by maybe, you know, telling stories. Um, I, I, you know, support. We, we have this concept of learning organization and we, we, we created a workbook full of re- reflective questions supporting people, supporting people to build learning communities and supporting them to find their own way, to find their own inner wisdom. And that is how I feel we could enable the system. It's, ra- it's not injecting something, it's mm. rather enabling the system to actually generate themselves. Yeah. Empowering also through trust and providing the, the ecosystem. Thank you. If someone feels inspired and would like to induce a little bit of transformative guidance, the heart connection to their organization, what would be your advice to them? I can hardly say this is advice. I guess the first thing is really starting with, you know, starting with the inside, right? You know, starting with yourself in connecting with your heart, in maybe exploring your purpose and finding your inner wisdom. That's one thing. And, and again, holding the depth of the individual, but also holding the width of the system. You know, I, I, I feel very strongly on, on both. Actually, it's, it's not separate. It's actually both. Yeah. The depth of the individual in starting with yourself and also the with the overview of the system simultaneously. Yeah. And I, I love to learn more also from, you know, the audience. I, I need to say a disclaimer because I realize, you know, thanks to, to, to your sort of very inspiring questions, I'm sharing my view and my passion. And I'm very aware that the reality, you know, might not be all rosy. Like my experience has also not been all that great. And I guess it's really just sharing this passion. And it's, it's always a learning journey. So I like, for me, it's, it's totally, <laughs> I'm going to learn something new all the time. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. And I think to, to share this optimism and to hear your passion and how this is done in your case and how you approach it is inspiring. And that's why I invited you. And one final question, because I parked it in the beginning and I didn't get to ask it. So we talked about the, the individual level and then the system. For me, a system is kind of round. It's like a network. It's interconnected. Yeah. And where do you start? How do you change a system? Right. And I'm, I'm aware that this could kind of start an entire right. separate episode. I'm going to be concise <laughs> as, as, as much as I can. I guess it starts with transparency. That, that's how I understand. It starts with transparency of the system to first understand what is the system. 
So we 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 do we did the organizational network analysis, and it really drew a, a map of the system of this unit that we are we are uh, I, I'm in, and together with with my colleague, starting with the transparency and understanding what's there. And when we identified some central collaborators who are in the center of the network, we started to do some uh, ground research in understanding their stories. Mm-hmm. So what makes them successful in navigating the system? And what are the behavioral traits? And how could we actually multiply that for the system? So really holding, you know, if we use the garden analogy that I serve as a gardener, right? I support the soil to grow so that the the plant can grow themselves. So a lot of the work in the system level is on the soil. It's not really like I take something and put it there, but really supporting, you know, starting with the transparency of the of the network, starting to understand what's the behavioral traits, how to amplify that and catalyze that. And all these is through almost like catalyzing the soil. Wow. Thank you. I'm so glad that I asked a question. Because I can then almost imagine that what comes up if you look at who made a career in the organization. So how did these paths and what behavior drove this career? And is this consistent with the values that we claim? Is this consistent with our bonus system? That's a great question to explore, yes. Mm. To then see the consistency of the system and does it actually provide the ecosystem to drive the transformation that we wish to to see. Still a long way to go, for sure. Yes. And otherwise it would be boring and everyone could do it, right? Uh Yeah. So so I guess that's really the the beauty of of doing this work. I get a lot of fulfillment in doing this work. Again, both the depth and the depth of the individual awareness and wisdom and the width of the system understanding. I think mm-hmm. I, I find a lot of uh, satisfaction in seeing this and how these, you know, emerge. And I guess being very a very curious person, I I, I find it fascinating in, in working this way. And somehow that the hard connection, you know, that really is lies quite central in the work, because I feel that is often cases the starting point of building the trust of self and the system to actually be able to open up and for open for transformation. Thank you so much for uh, sharing sharing your experience and expertise with me on behalf of the audience. Thank you as well, Miriam, for giving me this opportunity to learn and to share. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for staying tuned and for listening to the show. I know how busy you are and I appreciate that you're sharing your two most valuable resources with me and my guest, your time and your attention. If you're looking for more conversation with other facilitators and for a community of practice, why don't you join Never Done Before, the community that I have built and many of my podcast guests are already members. Visit neverdonebefore.org and I wish to see you there.